everyone, this is Eric Elliott back here with another episode of the Refocus Nutrition Podcast here. I'm recording this on a Monday afternoon, uh, ready to drop it to you guys on Tuesday as per usual. Um, this week I thought I'd take a little bit of a different uh, approach with our podcast and kind of talk about some um, pop culture stuff that's kind of been dropped upon us over the last week Um, and if you don't know what I'm referencing I am referencing Canada's new food guide that was released uh, earlier this month or earlier last week I can't remember exactly what date it was dropped Um, at first when it came out uh, I remember looking at it on my drive home from work and thinking um, thinking too much really like I was kind of just flabbergasted that there was a lot of things in there that that there was um I was happy to see where the progress but at the same time it was it it did irk me a little bit um to see some of the things they included but we're going to get into that a little bit uh within this podcast guys so um before we get into it guys as usual I want to remind you guys to leave me a five-star rating and review if you could um just so that we can get some more uh people listening to this podcast and help share what we're talking about here with the nutrition uh, aspect of things. So, um, without, I guess, further ado, let's talk about Canada's Food Guide. So, for those of you who are unaware of it, um, there, I mean, Canada's Food Guide has been under a decent amount of scrutiny over the years. Um, It's been revamped all the way back from 1942, all the way... Uh, their last revision, I believe, was in 2007, um, prior to making the new announcement in 2019 uh, this year. So, without going you know, too far down the rabbit hole and looking at uh, the different ones that were the different renditions over the years, let's kind of just look at last year's and um, we can kind of, you know, jump on a few things from there. So... I think the biggest thing to look at when you're looking at the biggest revisions um, is the daily recommended food guide um, servings per day when it comes to different parts or different sections of food, if you will. Um, so the big the big one for me uh, in, in males and females last time around, the uh, recommended daily servings for vegetables and fruit was seven to eight for females and eight to 10 for most, uh, from ages 19 to 50, really. And then you get the surprising one, uh, the two surprising ones on there that they kind of received a lot of backlash for over the years was 67 servings and eight servings of grain products for men and females. So that's an interesting one right there. That's really, it's, it's very high on a carbohydrate diet right and there's nothing particularly wrong with going more carbs um but as you can kind of see if if you went in the route of you know you know eight servings of a fruit that's a lot of carbs right there and then you have eight servings if you're a guy of grain products um you're looking at an an excess of two to three hundred grams of carbs um in which case you better also be training them uh, training pretty hard in the gym regularly um, for for yourself to actually use those carbs. And if you move a little bit further down the list, we see two servings of milk and alternatives and then 
two to three servings of meat and alternatives. So what that ends up happening is you get a really, really high carbohydrate diet, um, fairly low fat, moderate protein as well. So this is kind of where we've got as a society and that's why like using this approach, it's no wonder we're at this point in in our lives where you know we're looking at things like carbohydrates and we're scared of them or you know we're talking about carbohydrates and it's like you know those are bad foods or there's carbs in this I shouldn't eat it and whatever it happens to be right it's not really a surprise given where our literature has gone and this is this is something that um is put on everyone else's pedestal so like you see this stuff more than all of the other nutritional research even if the other nutritional research is the stuff that holds a lot more water or holds a lot more validity, without a doubt. This is the stuff that catches headlines for sure, and you're going to miss out on you know very valid studies that just don't come across news wires and aren't as sexy as um, Canada's food guide. So it's important to kind of look at it as a whole approach. So... What they did from there, um, moving into the 2019 version, is they, you know, they jumped into, they actually they jumped away from, sorry, more of a servings approach. Um, they actually did a good marketing approach in terms of just, they showed a, a picture of a plate, divided into how you, you know, should divide it into and what they, what they foresee um, in terms of how much you should eat of certain things on that plate. And that was the, basically their approach. Um, what I will say, and we're going to break this down, but right off the bat, I think they did a very good job. Um, for one, I think they did a great job in terms of moving towards an evidence-based approach with how much of certain foods should be on your plate. The picture I'm looking at right now is filled half of it is filled with fruits and vegetables and you know honestly we're looking at more more vegetables probably than fruits um trying to get a lot of greens on there for sure the other quarter is green products so some carbohydrates some starches um that's probably in line with what most people should be eating in terms of a daily intake um it's hard to say you know everyone and everyone's probably asking that same servings question but um, that's one thing they go into as well is, you know, energy balance does matter and it's very individualistic and that's kind of why, you know, hiring someone to figure out what your energy balance looks like is one of the most important parts to your dieting experience, if you will. And then the last quarter, uh, we have, we have a protein section. So this protein section is probably where I'm we'll say at least a little bit upset with. Um, the bulk of it is mostly plant-based sources. So things like, you know, your nuts and seeds, tofu, um, and things like that. And then you have a little bit left with eggs and what looks to be salmon, chicken, and beef. Um, so I think that's actually a really good a really good approach in terms of how they've got their whole plate over. I will say, so like one of the first um, criticisms I had with what I didn't like about it um, was they kind of tried to say that you, well, they didn't kind of, they 
directly flat out said that you should be eating more plant-based sources of protein than um, meat sources of protein. Um, so the reason for that, I guess, is twofold. Uh, could be even more. Obviously, the first one, they, they took a very environmental approach with this food guide. So they want a very environmentally stable, um, sustainable, I guess, approach with how we cultivate and eat our food. So obviously, the more red meat we eat and things like that, the more it's going to cost us as a society uh, on our earth to cultivate that meat and eat it, um, which is a fair criticism. There's no doubt about that. Um, the other one that they get into a little bit with is that it's is the cardiovascular association with eating too much um, red meat or processed meat in particular. We're going to talk about that. And the last one they talk about is like reducing the, your intake of saturated fat and going towards more of an unsaturated fat, whether it's unsaturated or polyunsaturated fat. Um, so with that being said, guys, one thing I, I really want to get into a little bit is the idea that we should be eating less meat or less protein or less processed meat. So with that being said, I am definitely on board with eating less processed meat. So we're talking things like hot dogs, you know, your lunch meat, um, all those different kinds of things that you like you're getting processed, like I don't even going further into like really processed hamburgers, um, pepperettes, all these different kind of things, jerky. The reason for it is that the these these um these ingredients that go into the processed meats have been linked with high rates of cancer and all cause all cause mortality. Um, but with that being said, you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So what I mean by that is you don't need to throw out all of your other meat sources like red meat, chicken, etc., just because processed meats aren't good. So the other side of that is they're going to say, well, there's an association association with um, meat, meat consumption, and all-cause mortality or cardiovascular disease. So the biggest study or one of the most infamous studies that they use to uh, the anti-meat people will use to cite that argument is uh, one of the studies that came out of Harvard uh, University, you might have heard of it. Um, they basically had an association with uh, it was an epidemiology study, so what that means is they studied um, people over a certain period of time, but they didn't control it in any sort of experiment. So what they found was a link between and a correlation between people who had high uh, processed meat and meat consumption with all-cause mortality and or cardiovascular disease. Boom, that proves your link, right? If you eat meat, you will get, you will get cardiovascular disease, heart attack, cancer, all the rest, right? wrong so the problem with that study as many uh, nutrition experts have kind of pointed to over the years including uh, Chris Kresser um, is that during that study they never controlled for really really important variables that made sense that would make you that would increase your risk for all-cause mortality and or cardiovascular disease so they didn't control for things like you know calories which is you know is important um, so you could have been way overeating. You could have been way under eating. They have no idea. They didn't control for that. They didn't control for things like smoking. I feel like that's probably an interesting one that you could have probably figured out a link with. Um, so smokers were allowed in the study. They didn't control for 
like carbohydrate intake they didn't control for fat intake um you exercise you, you name it they didn't control for it there are a hundred other variables that could influence the study for sure and and could influence all cause mortality and and or cardiovascular disease risk but they were they were not controlled for they were just put in it so it's hard to say um that you know these things are linked it would be the equivalent equivalent of saying that you know in the summer ice cream sales increase so do at the same time shark attacks therefore ice cream causes shark attacks you can see how that's a pretty tenuous argument at best um it ludicrous and stupid and ridiculous at worst so same kind of thing here you don't just say you know correlation equals causation here and red all red meat is bad or all meat is bad it's not that simple so when they said that in the canadian food guide as we'll bring it back to that um they kind of tried to say stay away from the processed meats more or less um, there is nothing to be afraid of when it comes to processed meats here and there for sure. Um, and regard if with regards to like chicken, fish, poultry, all that kind of st- or um, red meat, sorry, all that kind of stuff. That stuff you can enjoy on a regular basis too, and it's not going to cause a lot of issues. Um, so just don't get too consumed with things like that. One of the things I think they did really, really well was they also recognized, you know things like energy balance like they didn't talk a lot about it when in terms of going into you know how many calories is an appropriate amount blah 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 blah. um but they did talk about the fact that it's an important measure when it comes to increasing or decreasing body weight and body fat um that to me is one of the biggest things that a lot of these guidelines overlook people want to be healthy um and they want to you know, they want their health for a long period of time. So some people might say, you know, I just want my blood markers to improve. But you'll find that if you actually get to a healthy body weight through reduction of body fat, through a proper diet, um, you can improve about 90 to 95% of all blood markers anyways. Most blood markers that are out of kind of whack, if you will, can be explained through returning to a a proper body weight in a proper body fat position with yourself so that's important to keep in mind um there's a lot of people that are really really concerned with where they should go uh with how much they should eat and you know what they should eat but how much is probably a little bit more important um at least for getting those blood measures intact to start with and then building on that with a foundation for more and more quality type foods in your diet the other thing too, I think they did a really good job at, um, and this might piss off some of the dairy crowd, but they did get rid of uh, a number of recommendations in terms of how much dairy people should be consuming, and that's probably fair. Uh, when I'm working with a number of clients, the biggest things that come up when it comes to avoidances with the gut is generally dairy and gluten, and that's not to say you can't ever have it. Um, I'll use another good example. Like a client comes to me and they say, should I have dairy? And I, my first response always is, does it agree with you? And I remember one client, she was like, yeah, that doesn't bother me at all. I was like, go ahead. 
that's that's okay. I mean, as long as you can calorically, that means like handle it in terms of like energy balance, as we talked about earlier, because it's king, then go for it. Like for the most part, like if it's not going to bother your gut and it's not going to cause you to overeat, then there's no reason you can't have it. So that's one thing too that I think that it's it's hard for a guideline like this and a government agency to encourage that, but that's one thing that I wish people could look at more often is that you can have your cake and eat it too as long as you can make it fit into your day and your caloric balance without going over the top. So if it doesn't cause you to overeat and go crazy and binge and eat the whole cake, go for it. One thing too that I wanted to get into what I thought they, you know, they could have done a little bit better um, job on. They do talk a little bit about um, sodium consumption. So sodium consumption, obviously this is another one where people think it is going to increase hypertension and blood pressure. Um, and it just doesn't. So I'm going to actually read you a paragraph out of the Teenation article um, that's super important. Uh, I think everyone should go and read it. Uh, it's called Sodium, Your Secret Weapon. Um, so it's super important. So studies in Canada at McGill University, McGill and McMaster University have concluded that unless one has a specific and serious condition that would preclude him or her from taking in salt, then salt intake will produce no negative health problems and could actually be health promoting. As a matter of fact, only 10% of hypertension causes cases have a known cause. And in almost all of these cases, the cause is either genetic or stress-related. So the bottom line here, guys, is people shouldn't be avoiding sodium as much as they are. Okay? There's a reason we've had it in our diets for years. And in ancient history, it's actually been like a, like a highly prized commodity. People sought it out. It was a big deal to have in your lifestyle. So we shouldn't avoid it at all costs today either. It's not something we need to avoid. Um, and like I said, the science doesn't really back it up either. Um, the biggest thing that people talk about, you know, with regards to salt and, and water hydration is, you know, just drinking a lot of water. But as I always say to people, if you're not, you know, taking in any sodium, you're not taking in the proper amount of electrolytes, you're not holding on to the water that you need to when you're drinking it anyways. So it really doesn't matter. So that's super important for people to keep in mind as well. Um, one thing as we're talking about water is that I think they did a really good job on that. They talked about water should be the drink of choice 90, 99% of the time. Um, things like alcohol and you know juices and things like that, they are empty calories. And I don't like using that phrase because you know no calorie is empty. But at the same time, like... You know, juices and alcohols and things like that, they're calories, but they don't make you full. They might make you feel bloated if we're, if we're talking about alcohol, but drinking a glass of orange juice is like it's it's a hundred and some calories that don't make you feel full in any way, shape or form. And they just give you that insulin spike where it goes up and then two hours later, you're tired again. And with alcohol, it just... The more you drink, the more you're going to have a hard time getting to that body weight that we want. It It is filled, I shouldn't say filled, but it does contain estrogen products, so it mimics that within your body. Not only that, if you're trying to lose weight, anytime you're processing alcohol, you're not processing lipolysis 
and or burning fat in your body. So therefore, you have a harder time losing weight. So anytime someone who's trying to lose weight works with me, it's like you can have your alcohol, but know that it's going to make it a little bit harder to do what you're ultimately trying to do. Okay. Really, guys, I'm actually like quite happy with what came out of the Canadian Food Guide. Um, I think it is important because like my foundation of what I believe we should be trying to eat is, you know, a diet that's eat mostly eat mostly real food, so mostly plants. Um, eat n- not too much, so that's another one. Energy balance. We talked about that. It's king. You gotta have that, and then. Include moderation. So everything in moderation. So that's important, you know, measuring and getting you things like getting things in like processed foods every now and then and just enjoying those foods, you know, occasionally. Not every single day you need to have a pint of Halo Top, which I remind myself all the time. But, you know, once a week, once every two weeks, something like that. Those things are okay. Uh, They're not going to kill you as long as you're as long as you're keeping your energy balance in check. They really won't matter at the end of the day. And then last one, everything in moderation, including moderation. Sometimes, guys, there's going to be days when you're going to go way over that. You're going to have the whole cake. You're going to have a pint of ice cream. You're going to, you know, go crazy over the holidays, vacation, whatever it is. That's okay. It's not what you do in those small amounts of the year that makes up a big difference. It's what you do in the other time and how you respond to that that makes a huge difference. If you fall off the wagon for a day, two days, something like that, it really doesn't matter. But the sooner you can get back on that wagon and fighting for what you're trying to accomplish, the sooner you're going to be able to hit your goals. Every time you go crazy and go way overboard and whatever it happens to be, it just makes it much, much harder to stick with what you're trying to do. So that's super important, guys. Like, it's hard for, you know, a food guy like this to promote that. Um, But it's also super important to talk about at the same time. The other things that they talk about, too, is, you know, within their actual, like, health-promoting ideas is things like cooking more often, which is really, really important because the more foods you cook, the more you're going to know what's going in your foods. When you buy things from stores and whatever else it has to be, there's there's ingredients that are going into it you have no idea. They might put something on the food label, but at the same time, you just don't exactly know. Um, and also, if you're eating in a restaurant, you just it's hard to, as I talk to clients, it's hard to control that energy balance, right? So it's hard to know, you know, how much fries you're getting on a plate, um, what every ingredient was on that pizza that you ordered, all these kinds of things. And not only that, like they're using things like canola oils and stuff like that where I really, really don't like. Um, and then the other thing too, guys, that I really like they put out is use food labels. So they talk a little bit about that and how to use food labels, I guess. Um, the biggest important things on there is, you know, uh, this is no secret when you're coming to this podcast, but your macronutrients on there. So looking at your calories, your protein, your carbs and your fats and going and then also your fiber and going from there and building that out to, to track that in terms of how much food you're intake you're taking in on a daily basis. Because I find once most people like learn what's going on their food labels, they have a much better understanding 
of what they should and shouldn't eat and how much they should eat. Because then they like, there's a lot of people that like, once they first start tracking that can of Coke, they realize, holy shit, there's actually like, like 30 grams here of like just pure sugar that I don't need. But they, but until they see that concrete measure on their, you know, my fitness pal or even on the food label, they just don't put it into account. They don't make a big deal of it, which it is a big deal. Lastly, guys, the reason I don't love these, you know, guidelines, diet books, whatever it happens to be, is because they almost always have some sort of agenda where they're, you know, they're saying eat this, don't eat this, and that is like, that's probably my biggest problem with any anything or anyone in the industry is when someone says, you know, this food will make you do X, good or bad, you know, like beef will make you gain muscles, carbs will make you gain fat, fat will make you fat, all this kind of crap is what I really, really don't like about the industry. And it's something that, you know, is perpetuated far too often. It's something that, you know, to the attention of like Meredith Rue, who's a CrossFit Games athlete, I saw her post it. She went on a massive rant about like Jennifer Lopez, who this morning posted and was on a different TV show um, talking about her 10 day no sugar, no carb approach or cleanse or whatever it happened to be, which was complete bullshit. Like Meredith hit the nail on the head when she was talking about the fact that these ideas, especially perpetuated from, you know, supermodels, superstars, athletes, that you should avoid a certain food group or, you know, even a macronutrient are really, really harmful to people's relationships with food. Because if you're, you know, if you're Sally on the couch and you know nothing about nutrition, but you, you just watch this program and you see Jennifer Lopez, who obviously looks amazing, and she's up there telling you that carbs are, you know, no good and they're going to get you fat and you have to get away from sugar and this is the only program you saw that day, what are you left to believe? You're left to believe that everything that you eat is is making you fat and you're walking, you have, you know, you have one scoop of ice cream and next thing you know, you're like, oh, there goes my diet because, you know, I had this bad food when realistically, it's not going to make a big difference to you. And if you can, you know, like I said, keep it in that energy balance of your day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have, you know, a bite of cake or, you know, have a milkshake with, with, you know, a burger after a big, big day at work or a game or whatever it happens to be. It really doesn't matter as long as you can keep those things into your daily routine. What that, like, none, no food is a good food and no food is a bad food. And no food is going to make you fat or skinny, period. Yes, certain foods will have more nutrients in them. But what happens at the end of JLo's diet, at the end of those 10 days? Do you just avoid carbs the rest of your life? Do you go through every birthday, every Christmas, every celebration, avoiding every single starch, any anything flour-related, like just because you think they're going to kill you that's not going to happen and that's the same with what i was saying earlier when regards to the canadian food guide is like meat consumption and processed foods they kind of harp on a little bit 
but I don't like they should be said with the caveat that we should reduce them, but by no means are they going to kill us and or make us fat if we have them every now and then. They're not. They're not causing type 2 diabetes. What's causing type 2 diabetes is excess carbohydrate consumption in excess of calories. Okay? Like it's, you're not getting high levels of diabetic people who are under eating. It just doesn't happen because you're going to burn the body fat and you're not going to have those same amounts of insulin and everything in your body. It's, just, it's not the same way. Balancing with protein and fats, you're not going to get diabetic. So having all of that into account and having a balanced diet is important, but get your macros. You know, enjoy the things that you want to enjoy every now and then. And you're not going to have to worry so much about what is a good food, what is a bad food, and juggling all of that at once. Okay? Nutrition is simple, but it's not easy. Okay, guys, that's another one from me. Um, if you like this episode and you want to leave me a review, a comment, um, by all means, please do so. If you want to talk to me about your opinions on the Canadian Food Guide, let's do that too. You can leave me you know, a DM on Instagram, comment, whatever you want to do. Um, but yeah, let's chat about it. I hope this is the start of Canada's Food Guide, you know, approaching a more evidence-based approach for nutrition. But only, I guess, time will tell. Until next week, guys, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Take care.